0: Welcome in. You are now listening to the Blue Notes podcast, a presentation of Indianapolis cult stories and notes. I'm your host, Benji Taylor. We're back, back in West Virginia after a mighty two-week vacation. Well, vacation might be a liberal term to use to describe the castigation that I experienced. My wife and I took our three sons to the beach For two weeks, (laughs) what in the world were we thinking? Every minute of every day was a sandy, sweaty heap of work. (laughs) I loved it. I loved it. But it was work, man. Work, work, work. Then we were home for two days before traveling to Carmel, Indiana for Colts training camp. And now back to the Mountain State to gas up the podcast. Gas it up. It's nearly been a month since our most recent episode, so we've got a lot to discuss. Colts, as mentioned, are in camp. Zach Kiefer once again broke our hearts, and I might even squeeze in a bold take or two before my time expires. Stay with me, Colts fans. Monday morning, my brother-in-law, Patrick, my nephew, Caspian, My two older sons, Finn and Naz, and I all made the trip from West Virginia to Carmel, Indiana. We spent the night there and attended Tuesday's session of the Colts training camp. It was the team's first session in full pads, and it was my first trip back to Westfield since 2019. Patrick and I attended camp three years ago without our kids, and I remember that trip very well. I hate to mention this, but you'll remember that Andrew Luck was the presumed starter that season. He was there at Westfield. We saw him in the red jersey, fielding questions after practice, but he didn't participate in practice. And just a few weeks later, to our shock and sadness, Andrew Luck retired. I bring this up not to dash salt on the knife and regash an old wound, and not just because my trip back to Westfield reminded me of how much has changed in so little time. No. Andrew Luck has been on my mind, of course, because of Zach Kiefer's podcast series with The Athletic. The six-episode dig simply titled Luck takes listeners back through the tragically shortened career of the Colts quarterback, our beloved Andrew Luck. The series was published to podcast outlets July 11th. I saw the announcement, was instantly intrigued, but I wasn't sure I was ready. In fact, I was certain that I wasn't but I couldn't resist. July 11th, Zach Kiefer announced the publication of his new project. I messaged him straight away and said that I was pumped, but not emotionally ready. I don't know Kiefer personally, we have never met, but he was gracious enough to respond and he wrote exactly this. I totally get that, but there's a lot more to it than the end. He's a different dude, tried to capture that. And he was right. There is more to it than just the end. The series adds nuance and context. It is a splendid work, and Zach Kiefer accomplished perfectly what he wanted to do. He leads the listener through the battle, the injuries, coaching changes, rehab, marriage, and finally brings us to the teary-eyed and impromptu press conference in which Andrew confirmed what Adam Schefter had already announced to the world. The series provides all of that, but the problem is that the ending doesn't change. We know how it ends. Andrew retires from football. The Luck Podcast does well to build Andrew a good motive, and it really is a splendid work of narrative journalism, but I don't think you'll feel any better after listening. It's one of those things where the details just don't help all that much. After six good hours of trudging through the past, When I reached the moment I knew was coming, I was crushed all over again. I hate to admit it, I was. I was running through Ritter Park here in Huntington, coming around on my third or fourth mile. Kiefer narrated the retirement, the Schefter tweet, the home crowd boos, the broken quarterback at the podium. And as my shoes scuffed over the light gravel path, tears began to stream down my cheeks and I had to stop and break pace. I felt the sharp sadness all over again. I don't want to oversell it, but the pain was palpable. You know, I felt sadness first for Andrew. I didn't know the guy, but we all felt like we knew him, especially after Kiefer had taken us through his entire career. He was our guy. And I was sad to see all of his potential dismantled over those final three seasons. The shock of his retirement was just unthinkable. Imagine Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen retiring tomorrow. It would be exactly that. Mahomes already has a Super Bowl, so maybe Allen is a closer comparison. Josh Allen has made playoff runs, and every human football fan expects Allen to make a Super Bowl appearance in the next few years. Regardless, we do expect him to play 10 or 12 more seasons with the Bills. That was Andrew's trajectory, certainly before the injuries. Along with that though, I wasn't just sad for Andrew, I was selfishly sad for me. This was the player I had come to love, maybe even more than Peyton, if I can admit that. He was unique and nerdy, yet tough. I had accepted the transition from Peyton to Luck and was ready for a new decade of Colts success. But what cut deeper was what his leaving meant for me, for all of Colts fans. Kiefer reported this well. Andrew left the game knowing he had another life to live and selfishly, that burned. That burns because this is my life. I'm still here, we're all still here. So many other players in the league need football. They're desperate for it. But as good as Andrew was and as competitive as he was, he didn't need it and he didn't need us. I felt that when Andrew explained his decision at the podium that August night, and Kiefer's podcast series brought back those same old pains. If I'm honest, it was a stark realization that Andrew is just a much better man than I am. He can go and do brilliant things and leave behind this game I love so much. Let me say one last time, The Luck Podcast series is splendidly done. I would recommend it to anyone, whether a Colts fan or not. Straight after finishing it, I wrote that it was everything I wanted and didn't want at the same time. It's true, but I would still recommend it. But for those of us who followed Andrew's career closely, I wouldn't say that we really learned anything new. And sadly, the ending, although it's not just about the ending, the ending is still the same. Context doesn't change reality. He still retires at the end. Okay, let me please digress. I need to digress. We traveled to training camp and saw the Colts in full padded action. It was awesome. Then I wandered down a dark path, but now let's pop back to 2022. I want to say that I am extremely excited about this team. I know that every stupid fan is excited about his or her team right now. About 30 out of 32 teams have at least one reason to be positive, I get it. I also (laughs) haven't forgotten about how sleepy I was over the Matt Ryan trade initially. I am on record, unfortunately, saying a Baker Mayfield trade would have been more interesting Listen, please forgive me. Please, I uh, submit myself to you Colts fans, please. I know I am falling victim to the training camp hype, but here I am, drinking it in. Much of this excitement mounted well before my day at camp, but I do want to share my experience with you. And with that, I bring to you our very first installment of 2022 Camp notes! Camp notes! Camp notes! (laughs) Yeah, bring it on. At the risk of being embarrassingly unoriginal, I'm going to give you my three takeaways from my day at camp. Here we go. All right, number one, the sheer size of these players. Now listen, I rarely get this kind of access to the players. I have been to several games at Lucas Oil Stadium, and I've sat at seemingly every section in the in the building except for the one you got to pay a lot for what's that the club level yeah i don't sit there but all the other ones you know um but training camp allows a kind of closeness that lucas oil just cannot provide and here are a few observations number one julian blackman just looks great he looks amazing now he's listed at six foot 187 but i think that's an old number he looks much thicker than that, in a good way, too, by the way. More athletic, uh, more athletic than slight. He looks like he's gained about 30 pounds of muscle. I continue to be impressed by Blackman, who has so quickly returned from his devastating injury last October. He looks better now than he ever has, in my opinion, and I think he's going to have a Pro Bowl type of season. Julian Blackman just looks great. Now, conversely, new defensive end Yannick Ngakwe looks smaller than I imagine. Now, now, I would not say this to his face, of course, but it was a noticeable difference seeing him in position groups with Quidi Pei and even Ben Banigu. for the love of God. Uh, Ngakwe is 6'2", 246, which isn't shocking, but I wonder... If he might have been measured after a pasta dinner or something like that, I can't be sure. But I was mildly concerned seeing that the one player who was supposed to revive the Colts pass rush looks so undersized. Perhaps the slight frame just speaks to Ngakwe's ever plowing motor. That's possible. He has been good and he's been consistent, consistently forceful at each stop. And we have no reason to think he won't be successful here as well. It was merely an observation, so take it as you will. And lastly, uh, matching against Ngakwe for several heated battles was my new favorite left tackle, Matt Pryor. (laughs) Now, I originally said I wanted rookie Bernard Ryman to win the left tackle job, but I'm switching that. (laughs) I like Matt Pryor. He's gritty and smart. He's a likable player, and I got to see him get dirty with Ngakwe Pryor took him to the ground on -on one-on-one drills and certainly held his own against the established pass rusher. At 6'7", 332 pounds, Pryor towers over players on both sides of the ball. Ryman, the rookie, held his own too. He's a big man as well, but Pryor is noticeably bigger and is my new favorite to win the job. The size of the players was certainly intriguing, especially from that view. I realize that this note doesn't have too much to do with actual football, but I'm just gathering data. Anybody on the roster can flash pro talent on one play. I'm trying not to get sucked into that kind of experience again this year, like maybe I did last year. (laughs) Instead, I want to gather bits of information and share them with you. And seeing those players on the field close up made a difference in how I think they will perform come September. Another glaringly positive note from my day at camp was Matt Ryan's leadership. Now I know, I'm just singing the cover song to the tune you've already heard, I know that, but I got to see it with my own eyes. Remember, a year ago, Carson Wentz wasn't even practicing. As Patrick reminded me, Carson didn't make it to the fourth day he was out with some kind of phantom bones broken and floating around in his foot. Now, this week in camp, we have a former league MVP and a Super Bowl MVP as his backup. The difference was noticeable. In fact, the exact moment that I noticed Matt Ryan's impressive leadership came just seconds after a blooper caught on video and eventually made the rounds. At the end of practice, the offense had to run sprints because they failed to score a two-point conversion on the defense. Loser had to run, and it was the offense. Some of the guys looked how you might think they would look after a two hour practice. They were struggling a bit, but Matt Ryan, the 14 year vet sprinted as if he was chasing a criminal who stole his mother's pocketbook. (laughs) He was getting it. The old guy was getting it. Unfortunately, on one of those sprints, he slipped. Someone filmed it and Ryan became the butt of a quick joke. Last aside though, one could see that Matt Ryan was leading the offense with his demeanor his intensity and humility. My final observation is that it was a great experience. As I mentioned, we had three children with us, and I think they will remember that day for a long, long time. A great day and practice were capped with brief meetings with Isaiah Rogers, one of my new favorite players, and new draft pick, Nick Cross. Cross and Rogers Stayed much later than their teammates and made their ways down the rows to sign autographs. My son Naz got his helmet signed, which was pretty cool, I thought. Cross and Rogers were both tremendously nice and humble, and I thank them on behalf of my two sons. However, I noticed that there is a bit of conflict at camp between the desire for the team, players, and coaches to be productive in preparing for the season and the organization to make the practice family-friendly. It's a difficult thing to accomplish, but I do think the Colts did it quite well. Uh, Let's wrap up Camp Notes with this. I was most intrigued by the size of the players up close. It might not mean much, but as a bit of data collection, it has added to my excitement for Julian Blackman. I continue to be impressed by that guy. Likewise, Matt Pryor seems like he could provide some stability on the left side. He certainly has the size and strength Remember a year ago, we had Sam Tevi over there. So, you know, I think given the circumstances, I think we're in a little bit better shape right now, even though they didn't go outside to make any big signings or anything like that. I think Pryor might be okay. The question will be whether he can compete with speedy pass rushers. Conversely, I'm somewhat concerned about Yannick Ngakwe. He's supposed to be the panacea, remember, the one man to fix the Indianapolis Colts' broken pass rush. But he looks a little small. He's had success in the past, but think about this, in Jacksonville, he was playing opposite Calais Campbell, and last year in Vegas, he played opposite Max Crosby. Crosby and Campbell were both pro bowlers. Campbell was the first team all pro in 17, if you remember that, and unfortunately, they are not coming to Indy with Yannick. The question remains whether he can have that kind of success with quitty Pay lining up on the other side. As camp unfolds, I'll be watching the pass rushers, the left tackle position, as well as the wideout group. I think those are the most intriguing positions with the biggest question marks. Hopefully, camp will provide some answers. Okay, training camp is well underway. I saw it up close and it reminded me of Andrew Luck, of course. Zach Kiefer helped ease the sting while also somehow making it worse. I'm not sure how that happened. Uh, I shared some camp notes. Now, are you ready for it? (laughs) I'm gonna give you my hot take. Side note, I really hate the phrase hot take. I feel like that just means diluted journalism. Everyone has to have a hot take and now here I am guilty of the same thing. (laughs) It's true. Uh, Nevertheless, I hate the term, so I'm calling this, uh, it's not my bold take, but it's my shot in the dark. How about that? Here is this week's shot in the dark. Paris Campbell will lead the team in receiving yards in 2022. That's my shot in the dark. Now, a little context. In my most recent episode, which was nearly a month ago, I admitted (laughs) <laughs> that I sometimes forget Paris is on the roster. It's true. Well, that, in my defense, that was a month ago. Now, now you could argue he's been the best receiver in camp so far. He's had a good camp, but I'm not just a prisoner of the moment. I'm also not saying that he's the best receiver. MPJ is clearly the best wideout on the team, but Paris doesn't have to be the best. He just has to be the favored receiver. He also has to stay healthy, but we'll get to that. It's been well documented that Campbell and new quarterback Matt Ryan have thrown together privately several times before and after OTAs, and then again before camp. They have an early connection, which is obvious. It's been seen and documented. My guess is that the older quarterback will target the middle of the field and pass catchers closer to the line of scrimmage. I'm not saying that he can't go downfield, and I think he will selectively, but Matt Ryan is a smart guy. As the coaches keep telling us, he'll take the layups. And I think that means more targets for a guy like Campbell. Of course, he has to stay healthy. On the one hand, that seems like a miracle at this point. I know that. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, certainly his luck has to change eventually. So why not now? My shot in the dark within Colts fandom is more like a flick with the nightlight on. I get it. It's not a shocking take, in other words, but I feel like the national media has forgotten about Paris Campbell. Like I said, I almost forgot he exists. Uh, He's being overlooked, and I think he's going to surprise some people this year. So let's close with this. You've probably heard it said that when the pads strap on, the season starts. Well, Tuesday, the Colts were in full pads, and soon they'll be traveling to Buffalo for their first preseason game. The 2022 season has begun. I'll be back next week with more camp notes and a brand new blazing shot in the dark. Until then, take care and go Colts. This was a presentation of the Blue Notes podcast. I'm Benji Taylor. Thanks for listening.